If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. An Erio's original. Like right now, if you heard anyone doing Tiger King jokes, you would just be like, what's going on? That was several months ago. Yeah, Carol Baskin ago, is know? too dated. Yes, she killed her husband, but we have, we have to go forward. <laughs> A lot of these guys feel like comedy has been ruined, and I kind of love that. I kind of love that we got in there and, like, ruined something that they really love. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. You're listening to The Margaret Cho. Today we have a fantastic guest. Um, It is the comedian and podcaster Ron Funches. He has a great podcast uh, called Getting Better, and he's just amazing. He's he's a really great guy, so enjoy our podcast. How has your quarantine been? It's been going, you know, uh, it ebbs and flows. Some days it's, it's not great, other days... It kind of lets me reflect and, and see a lot of positive changes. I feel like I'm a bit of a workaholic, a bit of a um, overly productive sometimes. And, and I like being more relaxed. I like watching several episodes of Breaking Bad a day. I like <laughs> just chilling with my fiance and my son. And then yes. other times I'm like, I miss, you know, being on stage. I miss my passion. I miss the reason why, you know. One of the reasons why I thought I was put on this earth. So it it goes back and forth. Yes. But I see that you have been really busy doing podcasting and doing Zoom shows. And I think that's great. I mean, I think that's really exciting that you can still be out there and do podcasts, which is really I think it's really important right now. Yeah, I think one of the best lessons it taught me right away that it is just like in finances, just like in many things, it's just good to be diverse and have multiple um, interests and things that you're into. So if that one hits some type of brick wall that you can you can 
focus on something else instead of continue to hit your head against that wall. And before the quarantine, I just used that a lot because acting has been very frustrating for me, depending on, you know, the roles that I could get or, or what was available. But I always had, I was like, well, if I don't like it, I can always just get on the road. And now that the, the road isn't really there, I'm trying to just focus on voiceovers and my podcast and just, Anything that keeps me feeling um, spiritually fulfilled. Yes, which is great. I mean, I think that's really, I think that's really important is that, but that's a really sad part too, is that I always turn to going on the road because that was the one thing that really was inexhaustible. It was the one place. It was kind of like joining the French Foreign Legion, which I always thought was like, Oh, well, you could be um, uh, whatever, like a soldier of fortune. You could always join some kind of circus. And that to me was what the road comic life was always about, which is what I love about being a road comic is that the work was always there. You could always go on the road. And that not being an option is such a scary prospect. Oh, absolutely. Because it it was a lot of freedom as well to have that in the... Um, especially because that's where I came from. And then when I started doing a little acting and then, and it was such a different world to me where people, you had to tell people when you were going to the bathroom, you had to tell people when you were going yeah. to crafty, you know, and I was used mm-hmm. to just kind of showing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and I, of course. I love that. I love that individual responsibility and I, and I miss that, but I do think some of the zoom shows and some, um, some other things I'm trying to possibly uh, work with Chris Titus to shoot a little thing that's more like on a professional stage. And I think if anything, it just kind of brings out that problem solving in, in me that I, that I love in all types of comedy of like, okay, well, I'm not going to deny that this exists. I'm going to go, okay, well, this is the situation. What can I do to still do what I love? Yeah. That's good. I love Christopher Titus. He's a great, I love him. He's a great guy. He's really special because he's, he's very, um, he's always really kind of innovative. He always thinks kind of ahead of everybody too. Like he always thinks of like different things that can be done. And I know that he did a show also like with fortune where he's like kind of doing these things where you're actually in front of an audience, but it's still distanced, but it's also kind of, broadcast to different people it's like so you can do have the best of both worlds yeah that's yeah that's what i'm trying to do with him as well um i I, yeah i think it is the best of both worlds because i i think i i we're not going to get back to where we were anytime soon and but at Mm -hmm. the same time doing like zoom shows does not give me that um fulfillment it doesn't give me that rush that that being in front of an audience even I'd rather be in front of two people at an open mic than, you know, a bunch of screens. And so if we can mix it so there's a small amount of people and I'm still able to kind of put it out as I look at it almost like how a lot of musicians put out a lot of EPs, you know, where they might put out an EP every year and then have a big album when they're ready. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. that's where we're headed. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way. I know the Zoom shows are, they're interesting. It's a weird feeling because it's just also the isolation of being in your house all the time. And then you don't really have any feedback. And uh, it's, it's hard to have an audience. I mean, sometimes they'll have like, you can hear a couple of people 
but it, 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 it sometimes the people are, are like not listening or they're like cooking or they're like <laughs> watching TV at the same time. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it just, um, when you're doing stand up, we're used to that direct attention, right? Like you, you, you're an asshole if you're looking at your phone. You're an asshole if you're, if you're doing something else at this time. But if you're in your own house, Chilling is like, you know, what, what am I to be upset about you not giving me your 100% of your attention? And it's just, there's that little bit of a delay, you know, you just don't feel that energy back. I still think they're like, I'd rather do a Zoom show than no show, but you know, mm. I, I'd much rather be in front of people. It's a good time. I mean, it's a, it's, it, there's so much happening. There's so much to, be talking about too like out there there's so much change in the world um not only uh with of course the coronavirus but of course with black lives matter and all of that there's so much to talk about and i think that it's just um it's an incredible time to comment on society and do comedy so it's like everything's kind of going by and it's like what do it, it, it's 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 hard to sort of think about like how to talk about it through comedy you know yeah no, how that's do we make part, sense of it that's the part that makes me sad is that like you spend so many days like oh what should i talk about what am i going to talk about and it's like right now is the time where everything's right in front of us and a lot of us can't get up you know like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's so many things there's so many there's things so many, so many angles that you can come from and um mm-hmm. i just you know and there's a time and as you know there's a timeliness to comedy and so you don't want to like right now if you heard anyone doing tiger king jokes you would just be like what's going on that was several months ago you know yeah carol baskin is too dated now it's too it's too may yeah <laughs> like, we can't go back to may we can't go back to april yeah we can't i mean it's just like yes she killed her husband but we haven't we have to go we have to go forward <laughs> you know? we have to move on it is it is what is exciting i think is it do you feel like it is actually the end of racism do you think it's possible to we to actually like confront the end of racism i i want to believe that I want to believe yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is always no, but that's just what, where I come from and because of the existence that I've already lived. But what I what I truly love is, is seeing the progress and seeing so many minds being turned on, so many people, uh, you know, to use a... I don't have to explain it to you, you know, so many people's third eyes being open. And, and it's mm-hmm. just... Um, a wonderful true thing that's happening and i love it and and that's what gives me a lot of hope in this world and especially i love it seeing that it's happening with so many young people and and millennials Mm. when when we spent the last two or three years as a culture making fun of this group of people and putting these group of people down and these are the very people who are saying no fuck that i'm not going to just let you continue to to um be racist, continue to, to let us live with systematic racism. They're tearing these statues down. Like, these yeah. are things that me, as a 37-year-old man, I'm already like, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. I love it. Like, I love that they're doing that. And I, I mean, also, I love it because I love it when white people fight. Yes. It's so funny when white people fight about people of color's rights. <laughs> It's really great to watch. 
Because it's like really, it's really heartbreaking. It's really beautiful. But it's also really like, it's kind of virtue signaling too. It's like, who's a better, who's a better person? Yeah. They're like fighting amongst themselves of like, who's less white amongst themselves. And that's a really funny argument to witness. I'm also angry at the establishment for not properly giving us a history of what this country has done yes. and what has happened. That's so oh, that's so beautifully put because in a lot of ways we're hiding the true beauty of America. We're hiding yeah. uh, the things that we should be proud of, the, the, the progress that we've made, the things that we've come from. We choose to hide. Instead, we glorify this fake story that's just made up and not true about what america is supposed to be instead of living in what's real which is there's a lot of people in this country that i mean we're there's the american spirit being shown in tearing down these statues in going out there and and protesting and and being against brutality and, and systematic oppression that is the american way and that's really cool. I mean, that's really, that's really true. And it's, that's being shown. And it, what is so remarkable is that it's like, that is somehow still people want to fight against that and oppress that. And somehow, um, it, it's like the, that thing of like the rise of, um, people, uh, trying to continue to celebrate the stars and bars to continue to uh, want to not wear a mask <laughs> and use that as like a patriotic statement is a very strange thing, you know, like, but to, to continue to want to uphold the values of what the Confederacy, that is a crazy, the Confederate, they lost hundreds of years ago and it wasn't even like an honorable fight and it wasn't even worth winning. Like it was not, that fun for them. <laughs> it, it wasn't, I, I don't think that they, they know what they're fighting for. It's a weird thing of like these tr- quote unquote traditional values don't even exist. It's a very strange thing. And a lot of it, it is basic. Cause I don't, I don't like to look at it necessarily political is that it's refusing to evolve. It's refusing to grow. And, and to me to be staunch in that and support that and to, to, to basically celebrate being stagnant, celebrate being ignorant is such a horrible thing. And it's, I've just been, and I've been blessed and lucky enough, like my, my son, you know, being diagnosed with autism when he was two and watching the way that he's gone through the world taught me a lot and just how we hold on to traditions that don't serve us for a long time, you know, and these, these things end up harming us. And it's, it's, true progress is true truly evolving when you learn to look at a tradition and not just have this sentimental attachment to it because it lends back to an old timey period that did not even really exist and you never lived in um you're you're being caught up in this just sentimental game instead of being in the real world and the real world is about moving forward getting better evolving looking at your past mistakes and going okay i fucked up that's not me anymore i'm changing mm-hmm. and that's so crazy to me that people don't want to do that to the point of like oh, i don't i don't want to wear a mask <laughs> like that yeah or the denial of science and the denial uh, or the idea that it's somehow a conspiracy that they're going to risk their health and i think it's like 
I don't really even care about their health. It's more that they're just going to spread the disease further to make it more difficult for it to contain it. You know, and that that's that's my issue is like, I don't care what they do. It's it's more that like it's just going to make it more difficult to contain it. That's why we can't reopen society more readily because it's just going to be harder to contain because people are just so in Korea because society is so uh, it's so homogenized because it's such a shaming culture that if one person doesn't do something, everybody's like shamed out of it. You can't I, I don't know if it's it's such a negative thing or not. But like like today, this is a weird thing. But today, a couple of hours ago, this is the sole mayor was found dead of suicide because yesterday um, he was accused of, uh, I think, sexual assault. Basically, it's like took about 12 hours and he was just died of suicide. But that's the kind of society is that like, you just don't make mistakes. You don't make mistakes. You don't stand out, if if anything, no matter who you are. So you're going to wear a mask or whatever, or if you make a sort of a mistake or, you know, some kind of error, you're going to commit suicide, that kind of thing. (laughs) So that's why they sort of eradicated coronavirus pretty quickly from this site. You know, it's a place right next to China. So, and they they kind of don't have as much of it now and are able to sort of reopen society quickly. So that's kind of why Korea was as not as affected as we are. Here, we sort of kind of respect that idea of individuality I guess this is where that attitude can, it can warp and change and, you know, work against us in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I think it's also because we, we're always kind of pushed one side of freedom, right? The, the, the side of like, fuck you, you can't tell me what to do. I can do anything I want. I'm a grown pu- adult. I'm an American. That's like the, the side of freedom that's always sold to us. It's, it, but to me, um, there's like two sides of that coin. The other side is of freedom is personal responsibility and, and, mm-hmm. and looking out for others and, and taking care of, of your community and your group as you are taking care of yourself. I, I went to Japan recently and that's where it really struck me much before the coronavirus started. But although that, you know, the mass culture was already great, big there of just like, if you're sick, you wear a mask so that you don't spread it. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the way that people, that public bathrooms were spotless and the way that. Oh, yeah. Um, just even going through the airport and that people were putting away their trays and that that's not something that I ever see at LAX. It's always a bunch of people too busy <laughs> to put away their own tray. And it's just like, that's part of the freedom is put, put away your own shit. Look, yeah you know help each other out don't just be a mess <laughs> looking around for the next person that's one thing i hate most on like a set if i'm on a like usually how you can tell the difference between like a, a indie set and a real professional set is that like you know the, the departments be like oh that's i don't that's not my department you know i don't you know Ooh. i don't i don't know who that is so and it's just like a real society a real culture is like well i might not know but let's go find out let's who the person is you need to go talk to but yeah in japan there's like this idea of like order and that's that's that very much uh, ingrained in the culture and it's almost like almost to the point where it's it's suffocating too you know like there's this real you know it's against the law i don't know if it's actually against the law but it's like a very like intense thing in japan to you can't eat while you're walking it's like very taboo to eat while walking. Yeah. 
And I kind of do that a lot and I don't even realize how much as I I'm always like you know like get low blood sugar and I'm like eating like walking and like eating and talking and like, like doing a million things at one time and it's like a very like people will like freak out if you do that yeah no I went to a couple of marketplaces and they'd have like you know lots of treats and stuff but then signs are like you can't eat this here take this yeah. and, and you go have to, to your, sit down yeah you have to go to the established eating zone and it was a little bit weird but after a while there just was kind of this um niceness of like okay when we eat we focus on this and we sit we sit together and we talk and then we do we move on we don't do a lot of things at once and it was also you know weird that there was no like like the concept of a drive-through does not exist over there it's Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. you you go pick it up and you eat or you go take it back home and you wait till you get to where you are to eat and it's fun and Mm -hmm. we tried to do that when we got back home for japan for about two weeks and then we went right (laughs) right back to normal i actually really love it and i mean it's one of the my favorite i mean japan and korea are one of my favorite places to travel and also work and were you doing shows there no i just went i love i'm a big fan of pro wrestling i got a lot of action figures back here and i went to yes. the japanese pro wrestling their biggest event of the year took my How exciting yeah it was great and so we made a big two-week trip out of it went to tokyo osaka kyoto I love to travel, but there's very few places I feel like I want to go multiple times. And like Japan is on that short list with like Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, yes. Amsterdam is beautiful. But Japan, there's every there's so many different things. And wrestling is super, not not sumo, though. Pro wrestling. Yeah. Def- different. Yeah. But uh, sumo is also beautiful as well. Oh, yeah, sumo I would have loved to. I, we wanted to see some sumo, but it was out of season. But, yeah, that's yeah. the thing I love about Japan is the full support of, like, whatever your nerdiness is. Like, they had the best video game stores. They had the best hip-hop-related stores that I went to. Whatever oh, your focus is, they're like, yeah, be you, which is also yeah. weird because you don't think of it that place as much of, like, the individuality. But it really is. They support everything. I love it so much and then i i love all of the anything toilet related like sitting down and the seat is can be hot and (laughs) and you can play like music or like blow dry your asshole it's like so amazing it's so civilized it truly is they are so advanced from us when it comes to that and that is one of my biggest dreams is to like just have my house every bathroom in my house have a toilet like that um i'm not there yet but one day hopefully hopefully i will have those toto washlets um and just oh it's a beautiful it's a beautiful life so beautiful I just have like one separate bidet, but I don't have uh, the the washlet yet. But it's a yeah. I I'll go back next year. I'm um, I think that also next year I want to try um, to do a Burning Man um, and do uh, build the Kurosawa camp. So we'll do the the full um, Seven Samurai camp. So we'll all be samurais and we'll do like. Um, you know, the, the thatched huts and then we'll have uh, like, you know, all the kimonos and it'll be sort of like a, I think a kind of a cross between um, Tatooine. It'll be a little bit of Star Wars mashup because, you know, most of Star Wars is very much like a Kurosawa film anyway. It's like all very, very uh, samurai. So that's where I think we can um, mix it up. It'll be a little alien, a little samurai, little Kurosawa camp. 
I like that. That sounds awesome. Fun. Yeah. I'm trying to make all the 2021 plans that I can. Do you have any fun 2021 <laughs> plans? Well, you'll get married and <laughs> I guess, are you going to do that then? Uh, yeah, that's the plan, you know, so people can come. You know, we might see if we do something smaller before then, but um, just hope, you know, just extend it out and just enjoy being engaged really right now. Be with it 24-7 and not be at each other's throats. It's really nice. It's nice. I mean, that's a really great thing to be able to have, um, you know, just a family to be to be quarantined with and to enjoy the time with. Because also, since we're on the road all the time and also just working all the time, you never get that chance to stay at home. Yeah, truly. And it's also then you can tell the ones who don't enjoy their family because they're right back out already. (laughs) I know. I know. I mean, this is the first time for me in like 25 years that I've actually spent any time at home. It's the first time I've actually unpacked my suitcase. I've never done that. This is like... Yeah, it's just the longest time I've gone without without being on an airplane in probably like 15 years for me. Yeah. So what do you feel like is good to do in, in terms of just keeping it positive? Like I see you mentioned Breaking Bad. Are there any other like shows or... Um, it's been mostly Breaking Bad, a lot of Seinfeld. I go back to a lot of like classic sitcoms that I I grew up watching. So it's like Martin, Mama's Family, I Love Lucy. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I love those. I feel like they always, they've always been escapism for me from whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever has been in my life. So I I kind of return to those in in video games and and what's truly been um, a lifesaver for me is like just keeping to a schedule of working out, whether it's been like getting on a treadmill or just lifting some, just getting a good sweat every day. So I feel like at least if nothing else happens that day, I, I got a good sweat in. I feel like I did some type of progress. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I have a Peloton. That helps me a lot. That's a good, that's a good one. And then it's always, it's always sad though, cause they now they have like only the Peloton instructors. Everybody's like, used to be everybody was in the studio, but now it's just the Peloton instructor. So it's very kind of like apocalyptic. <laughs> it's good. You know, it's, it's a really, it, it's a good thing to kind of check in with that. Even, even my son, who's like, you know, very, um, into not leaving. He's super, into whenever <laughs> the other day we were just talking you know i just give him a pep talk and i was like man just you know you can do whatever you want in life and he just goes after covid19 <laughs> until yeah, then after. i'm not doing it <laughs> yeah that's good yeah that's i like good. that about him but he's been getting on a trampoline every day i got him in summer school just so that he stays mm-hmm. active and, and, and keeps his schooling going. And then um, our little ice cream shop that we like to go to is open from like 2 to 9. So we'll go on like a Saturday and still walk down and go get ice cream like it's like, you know, like it's still the 1950s and we're not about to, you know, die. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's really good. I think that's important. I think it's like, it, I mean, it's good to just... um you know, kind of maintain some level of like normalcy, like going out and like trying, you know, trying to just sort of connect to the outside world a little bit and like, you know, just trying to keep it. I mean, I have to like keep it a little bit like, okay, this is a, a little bit of a casual thing. Like, you know, like I have a, I put out um, a, a screen and I have a projector outside so I can watch um, TV outside. 
So that that's helpful. So sometimes I'll watch like a scary movie outside and uh, like uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes, which is really scary. <laughs> it's like a scary like slasher found footage movie. Okay. Um, like, uh, yeah, those scary movies like, you know, I, I just think that um, oh, scary movies are helpful. I watched. Uh, oh, God, I think it's called Terrifier. It's like a scary, a slasher um a clown movie, you know, like when there's like a killer clown. Yeah, it's it's a good <laughs> it's a good thing. I like a horror movie because um, then I can relax because I imagine terrible things happening in life. <laughs> so when I watch it on screen, I'm like, oh, thank God they're doing it for me, so I don't have to do it in <laughs> well, my. It happened to them, so it can't happen to me. It's not gonna. Yeah, it's like. It's like a strange thing of like, okay, if it's happening over there, then it's not happening over here, which is a kind of, I don't think that that actually really is true, but it's sort of a relief. Um, so it's kind of a fun thing to do. Never been. I I hate horror movies. I do not okay. like any horror movies. Um, yeah. I like some dramas. Again, I'm watching the Breaking Bad, but I like most things with a comedic bent. I hate horror movies because they work on me. I'm an easy target. Yeah. They're like, scary. It does, yeah, you, you you got me. You wanted me to be scared. You got me. I'm scared. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary. But Breaking Bad is very scary to me. I get very stressed out, especially like in the first part of it, where he's just kind of get, coming into the world. He's bad at it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so you're worried about him. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it can be pretty dramatic. We look away at some of the very violent parts. Um, you know, we both cover our heads with pillows. Even my son, my son will watch it with us and all three of us just heads and pillows when, when Gus is trying to cut somebody's neck off. But it's also mm-hmm. really funny, just really funny, really mm-hmm. well acted. And it's just fun kind of going back. We're going to go watch that and then watch Better Call Saul and watch the movie. And try to get mm-hmm. through the whole story. And then maybe we'll try methamphetamines, yeah. too. Just yeah, just try it. <laughs> Give it a try. It'll help your workouts. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, I mean, well, man, that's what they used to sell. They used to sell yeah. those methamphetamine diet pills all over the place. Why not? I mean, it's fun. It's scary. I mean, I, I get scared watching pro wrestling. Because that, to me, is like... It's like, to me, that's very scary, but I guess it's all like, you know, it's acrobatics. Yeah, it's acrobatics and fun, and they're all friends and, and like each other, so that always helps me out. Some of it's real weird. I'll watch, I guess I sometimes kind of will watch the horror film version of pro wrestling, so I guess I'm a hypocrite, because I watch people hit each other over the head with, like, fluorescent light tubes and barbed wire. I watched a guy blow uh, another guy's penis up with an M80 recently, and so I guess I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> it's not like a jump scare, though, because you know what's going to happen. That's true. Because yeah. they're fighting, so it's like you can expect, expect it. It, it. It's not the same setup. As like the suspense because it's 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 in like you know mano on mano like you're you're in the ring so it's not exactly the same as like a horror film where it's like somebody's not expecting it. Very true. How are you doing? Do you like doing the the TBS tournament of laugh videos? I've been voting for you. <laughs> oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm actually. Um, I I mean I had fun with it. It was it was a fun uh, kind of thing. But I don't know if you can actually. It's it's, it's not really it's not really easy to compete with comedy. Like because jokes are so um, 
such a personal kind of uh, sort of a thing. So it's impossible to really see like uh, numerically grade who is better than who. That's very true. Yeah, you know? that's why I didn't want to attend. I thought it would be kind of fun. And then I was like, ooh, that seemed like good money. But then I also was like, I'm both super anti against comedy as a competition and then mm-hmm. be very competitive. So right. <laughs> if I lost to a comic where I like, oh, I know I'm ba- I'm better than that, <laughs> I would have yeah. flipped out. I would have taken it way too seriously. Yeah. There, but there's no way to sort of like uh, objectively judge like if there's somebody that's better or worse or th- because there there's no such thing really because it's really a, in a sort of a matter of opinion. And- yeah, to me, it's more about like you're doing a floor exercise. It's not like basketball where there's a score. There's more like I often look at it like it's just different fighting styles or kung fu styles i watch a lot you know kung fu movies and i just it's more to me about like oh i believe in my style and i think my style is great and excellent but that doesn't mean i'm not inspired by other styles that other styles aren't valid that other styles also won't kick ass you know so i don't like i just you know especially also i didn't like where they said we're mixing the high stakes world of sports with the no stakes world of comedy. And I'm like, what do you mean? No stakes world of comedy. Have you ever <laughs> done comedy? You know, this hella stakes. I know it's all stakes. Yes. You, the stakes of you, if you bomb and they don't want to give you the gas money to go home, that's, that's, that's some stakes. That's all stakes. <laughs> it's so much stakes. It's all stakes. <laughs> it's like, I, I was, um, talking on the phone actually to Steve Byrne and he was at a show. He was doing a show in at the Miami Improv and the uh, opener was on stage and I could hear the audience. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're about to go on stage. And they had like half of the crowd there, but it was the, and the and they had socially distanced everybody. So every like table had like six feet between them. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like they're just going on. No, so yeah. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it's I really it's it's so difficult to decide what's right and what's wrong to do at this time, because I don't want to when you see things like, you know, like what happened to DL and and, and, and mm-hmm. people getting sick. And but at the same time, I know a lot of people where touring is 100 percent of their income and that's what yeah. they, they need to do. So I don't begrudge anyone that has to go and make money. And I love any club that is taking precautions but i think like there's too many places that aren't really doing anything at all like what we saw that video with dl and everything at the at the nashville club was all packed butt to gut like you know and and it just again reminds me like i'm what i was watching over fourth of july weekend the independent wrestling show that was taking place outdoors in someone's backyard and they were passing out hand sanitizer they were sanitizing the ropes between every match and i was like how is a backyard wrestling show taking more precautions than the industry that I love, you know, like mm-hmm. th- I want to see more clubs find their way through this, maybe do a mix of media shows where they're, where they are like, you know, selling tickets and zooming out shows while people are on stage. And, but, um, I think we just, people have to take precautions because I, I would hate it if I was a comedian or if I'm not the comedian, I just don't want to everyone be like, Oh, I went to a comedy show and I got my grandma sick and my grandma died. You know, like, yeah, that's it's hard. Horrible. It's it's just hard because it's like we all we've all got to, like, figure it out for ourselves. You know, we all have to 
everybody has to make money and we don't know what's going to happen and we don't know what's right and you know we'll see we will see we'll see we will we'll see <laughs> we'll enjoy our, our our breaking bad we will and um I um, but I'm so glad that I got to talk to you. Where can people find your podcast and find you on the internet? Sure, um, I have a podcast called Getting Better with Ron Funches. You were wonderful guests on. Yes, um, we just talk about goals in life and just getting better at things. It's it's really I, it's one of my favorite things to do. So if people so fun. have any interest in that, please check it out. Other than that, just Twitter at Ron Funches on Instagram at Ron Funch. I'm supposed to have a Quibi show that debuts at some point in at if, if they don't go under before then uh so <laughs> look out for that and uh that's pretty much it for me just look out for me and stuff watch trolls world tour that's what gives me money buy that yay. dvd <laughs> yay that's so great well thank you ron thank you Margaret. it's just a real pleasure that you want me here i really appreciate it thank you 
beautiful march being, you know, ruined and infiltrated by the police. And that was really upsetting. Mm. And I like just on a personal level made like a Spotify playlist for myself of like these really super gay remixes um, and just sort of okay. like danced around my apartment. It wasn't like an official pride celebration, but it just, you know, like listening to those songs that we all used to listen to together outside and dancing sort of, you know, filled a little bit of that void for myself. Yeah. Like I, I did the same thing with the, with the playlist and I allowed myself as many diva duets, whether it was, um, you know, uh, Lady Gaga and Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, Ariana, you know, <laughs> like, um, uh, D- D- Donna Summer, um, you know, Barbara yes. Streisand, all of the divas, like all of the duets that I was allowed to have anyone that I wanted because it was going to be my pride playlist play- and I didn't care. Yeah. What's your, I, you know, what's your go-to duet? Let, let, let what's be. your go-to duet? What's the one you, you, uh, I think, I think right now it's probably telephone. It yeah. is definitely um, Lady Gaga, Beyonce. But um, in general, uh, I think, or you know, um, maybe Lady Marmalade. Maybe it's that sort of oh, Lady yeah. <laughs> Moulin Rouge, Lady Marmalade, which yeah. is really a duet. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a, it's more of a. Is that a barbershop quartet? <laughs> kind of, but it's. When they- <laughs> It kind of is for sure. I feel like it's kind of criminal that the Mariah and Whitney Houston duet never got like the <gasps> dance remix treatment. Ooh. Like yes. it never got any remixes and it's a ballad. So it's not this like throwdown moment that it should be. I know. It's so Is that good. the Prince of Egypt song? Yeah, from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Oh, wow. That's such a good one. That's a, that's a lost, that's a lost masterpiece. Yeah. I think it happened like, I think. Part of the reason why it got lost is that it happened a little bit too late, you know, like it happened in like 98 when I think commercially they were both sort of on like, you know, the downward motion. But if it had happened Mm -hmm. like three years before, I think it would have been like the biggest thing. That would have been the time. That would have been the time. It's so, yeah, they both sort of got, yeah, at that period, it sort of got, or it's too early. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. maybe Junior Vasquez was in a K-hole or something. <laughs> <laughs> he fell in a K-hole. We got to get, get him back. Pull him out of the K-hole. Get him back. But yeah, it's weird to not, I mean, it's just weird to not have that sort of social structure of pride where you're out. And But I do love seeing social media. And, and you know, I do love people showing up out and at these marches. And I had been to a lot of the marches and um, you know, it is really meaningful to see also the um, Black Lives Matter movement really joining forces again with gay liberation, where we we split off for a long time. Yeah. I think the civil rights movement and gay liberation were uh, split off for, you know, the better part of 50 years. Yeah. And now we've really rejoined, which is really so phenomenal. I think it's it's beautiful. I think it's so beautiful. I think it's really long overdue. You know, I think mm-hmm. that it's interesting how that separation that you just spoke about, Margaret, between the sort of gay rights movement and civil rights um, for Black people sort of veered off. And I feel like it's it's been similar to the trans community, you know, like trans 
women, especially trans women of color, were so fundamental in the initial uprising. And then, you know, a couple of years later, there was also that sort of separation between, you know, the gay community sort of abandoning the trans community. And now that feels like Mm -hmm. it's reconverging as well, which is definitely a good thing. I think that's what Chromatica is about. I think that's what... (laughs) 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 Bringing it all together. Yeah. But yeah, when when you see like also like the big march in New York and seeing all of the people showing up in white to be there for the trans community is really great. Yeah. It's really powerful. Like this is... You know, I think that as much as for so many reasons, I mean, let alone the fact that there is a global pandemic still very much ongoing and as stressful as this time can be and as challenging as it is, like this is also a really exciting time. You know, like I think that that's something that I'm like, you know, in the moments where it feels a bit overwhelming, like that this is a moment of revolution and that that's so exciting and inspiring. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think is the best part of it is that I feel like even now, um, even though it's a strange time, that it's that we have a moment where we can really change, the world can really change and it, it seems like it's it's actually happening, you know. It yeah, feels and good. in a weird, yeah, and in a weird way, like I saw. I mean, this is I've seen this pop up many different places, and it sort of resonates. Just the fact that you know, like in this sort of capitalist structure where we're all busy all the time, just trying to survive, there it leaves very little room for revolution. You know, like and so in a way, it was like we needed this pandemic, we needed this reset you know, for people to actually have the time to come together in this way. And I think that's sort of interesting as well. And I love that. I think it's really, I think it's really powerful. Do you find that um, in Canada, what is the, um, what is the problem there? Like it's this, is it the same kind of issue with the police and violence towards um, indigenous people, first nations people? Is it the same thing? Do you guys have the same problems? I don't really know what's happening there. Totally. So um, since the beginning of the pandemic, so our, we have a federal police that's called the RCMP. So people might know the, the images with the horses and the, the mounted police, the Mounties. Um, so that police was created basically to control uh, indigenous population across the country. And since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of deaths uh, at the hand of the the RCMP from from indigenous, indigenous people. I think it's, I believe it's it's over eight or nine, uh, which is a lot for us because we have a much smaller population. Uh, and of course, also like black people are also, um, uh, you know, victims of state 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 violence in Canada as well. There's there have been cases in Montreal and Toronto. Uh so similar movements, but there's you know the the thing with 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 America is like Canadians tend to be as you know more uh overtly polite, uh I would say. Mm-hmm. So it's like our we always compare ourselves and we're like, "Oh, it's not as bad as the US, but it's just a different kind of evil." And that's what people are kind of starting to realize here. Um so I think it's been it's been a different it's been a different reckoning, but I think it's also happening in in Canada. I don't know what you think, Trana. Yeah, I the think same the same. I think that I think actually, Thomas, the last time we spoke, you sort of mentioned that you know because things in the U.S. are so amplified. You know, you the United States is like ten times more populous than Canada. 
Um, you have a gun culture that we don't have. You know, guns are not legal here in the same way that they are in the United States. That makes an enormous difference in terms of, you know, the violence that's inherent in our culture. So it is different, but it is a, its own kind of evil as well. And, and Thomas had mentioned a couple of days ago that, like, you know, Canada sometimes, I think, tends to give itself this free pass because it's not as bad. But it it is as bad. It's just in different ways. It manifests itself differently, but it's still very serious. And I think that that's why it's taken Canada sort of a long time to come to this moment, because we always see what's going on in the U.S. as this almost free pass to sort of not acknowledge what's going on. Yeah, here. I think what it is, too, is that like we all contribute to a global conspiracy towards systemic racism. That is um, it's like a global mindset towards um, race and towards class and towards ideas about people that are just developed from the way that we watch television and the way that we just develop ideas about people. And those are from just ancient values that we've just perpetuated that we don't even know where these ideas came from. And they come from um, things that people developed when they were like trying to enslave people when they got in ships and they decided, oh, we have guns. So we're going to start to like enslave these people, you know, and that these sort of ideas that we didn't come up with on our own, you know, they're, yeah. they're from the colonists. And it's just like, you know, that, that I, I want to like decolonize my own mind. I'm yeah. like so angry that I have these mindsets that I didn't put there, that I didn't like, I am so angry realizing that um, they didn't teach us any of these things in school. They didn't tell us anything about what really slavery was, what yeah. they really did to colonize these lands. They didn't tell us how they got here, what they did to the people when they got here. And, you know, they glossed over so much and romanticized so much and basically gaslit all of American history. Yeah. Um, to glorify the uh, story of how they were here, to glorify uh, the pictures on our money, to glorify the the days of uh, that we were taking off from school. And, um, you know, it's unfair to not know. Yeah. And to make us celebrate things that we don't even know what they're for. And so, yeah, it's really upsetting. And it's I but I think it was designed that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. The system was designed to keep us unaware of those things and to sort of poison our minds with these thoughts that you're describing that really keep us divided without even knowing it, you know, and yeah. it's so I think that realization is really quite devastating, you know, to yeah. But it's not, but that's the beginning of real change, you know? And yeah. so as, as heartbreaking it, as heartbreaking as it can be to sort of examine your own complacency or, or your own even unconscious participation in all of this, like it's heartbreaking. Um, but it's sort of the break that needs to happen so that we can evolve and genuinely once and for all really start moving forward. And yeah. one thing that we have in Canada that, that I find it interesting is, you know, like Justin, our prime minister. Um, mm -hmm. So he's the head, of the, the head of the Liberal Party, which is a sort of center left um, party, a little bit like the Democrats. But we have another party that's more to the left. That's uh, And the leader is a, uh, a, 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 a sick man uh, who wears a turban. His name is Jagmeet Singh. And 
he's way more about uh, actual action and not only like symbolism. So in our politics here, we do see the difference between Trudeau, who's all about symbols and all about, in a way, like uh, apologizing and, and, and atoning for the, the past. And then we have another leader who is way more invested in, in, in actual anti-racism. So it, I think, I think if, if at, the, at the top of the, the political world, we don't really see these new ways of leading, I think it's going to take a long, it's, it's going to take a lot of effort for all of this to change. But I, I, I do see it here when people, if people are willing to go for the real change or just the like cosmetic solutions. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I mean, I think it's a really, I think it's it's a really interesting time. I think it's also, yeah, there is a reckoning, especially like if you look in entertainment. I mean, in this week in particular, um, a lot of a lot of entertainers are now like you're looking at all of like the streaming services pulling episodes of the Golden Girls for blackface. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't, and it wasn't even like no, I know it was, which is like the craziest part. But it's just like, I mean, it's kind of like they're just, um, it, it's almost, but, the, the, but then there was this other idea of like, um, I think that there was a time, I think in the early sort of t- 2010s, 2011s, where we almost had this idea or white people or white comedians had this idea that we were post-racist. Yeah. So that making fun of things, or we were post-homophobia, so it was okay to make gay jokes, it was post-racist, so it was okay to make race jokes, it was post-feminist almost, so it was okay to be misogynistic. So you had this proliferation of, well, that's where you saw the explosion of comedians like um, Louis C.K., for one, who was very, very, uh, very popular, you know, because they wanted to explore all of those feelings in depth. They wanted to explore that toxicity in depth. Yeah. Um, and so now there's sort of a reckoning, you know, and then, 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 of course, sort of the absolute sort of other side of that is kind of me too happened almost not directly after, but right after that, well, that kind of. That's something I find with the, the, the more like recent wave of queer comics. And I mean, for so many people, Margaret, you're you're the OG, you're the person who kind of started it all. But like for so many of us, like we were the butt of the joke. And then mm. in the really short amount of time the flip the the script flipped and for in my i mean in my world not in, in everyone's world but in my world it's no longer like we're kind of in power more and more and i feel that mm. you know there's no going back i don't think there's any going back to the what you were describing from 2011 that being said i'm sure a lot of dudes are really pissed off at how things are today and that you know their yeah. freedom of, of speech is is you know, is, 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 it's not possible for them, but I, I don't see any, any going back. So it's, it's a really yeah. interesting reversal of, of power. Yeah. It's good. It it's is good, good for sure. Yeah. I think that like a lot of these guys feel like comedy has been ruined and I kind of love that. I kind of love that we <laughs> like got in there and like ruined something that they really loved. <laughs> I just think it's funny because it's like, this is an invitation to evolve. You know, it's not really Mm -hmm. inherently exclusionary, but there's just these, this group of guys that are just like so set, you know, in this idea of like freedom of speech, which is really not freedom of speech. It's really this like freedom of hatred that they're like 
right. clinging on to, but, you know. But do you yeah. feel that there's, okay, this is going to sound so weird, but do you feel there's something erotic in pissing them off? No. It's kind of arousing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I had more Maybe. of like a dom side, I would find it erotic, but no, no. It could be kind of toppy. Like it depends. I guess it's sort of... Um, <laughs> Maybe if there's like a payoff for them or for you about it, I guess it depends. It's but I it find like comedy funny. in general, like it is. It I've been thinking about. I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to know if you've been thinking about this too, Margaret. Just that you know, let aside everything happening politically, just even in terms of the pandemic and literally not being able to do comedy. Do you find it challenging to be funny? And like, what does it even mean to be funny right now with everyone being so raw emotionally? Mm. It's hard. I've been crying a lot, which is really unlike, it's not in my nature to cry that much. I think it's, I just feel very raw. I think it's also because I haven't been performing, which I usually do a ton also. Um, do you do Zoom shows? I've done a few and they've been surprisingly, like I've gotten something out of it. I haven't done them. I haven't done a lot. Like I've been really choosy about it because sometimes it just makes me feel worse about not performing um, because it really can't compare. Um, And obviously it can't compare. Like it just cannot replace, you know, that, that energy of being in a room full of people. And I feel like, that idea of getting back to the stage, getting back to these rooms where we're all together is feeling further and further away. Feels so, it feels very strange. Yeah. And I, it just feels very intangible, you know, like getting back to that, just even logistically. To me, it was like, you know, even before the pandemic, everything over the last 10 years has just become increasingly digital. And to me, like I always saw live performance as this like, this like last vestige of what it really means to like come together and be face to face and these, you know, and just with live performance being so powerful, just that shared collective face to face experience to me always seemed like something that we had to protect, you know, something that was so worth protecting. And now it feels so in danger, like more so than ever before. I know that's the scary part. And I think that like, that's what's really scary too about a lot of these smaller, like independent venues and, and uh, places that um, were also struggling, you know, especially like these various like, like lesbian bars and gay dive bars and the like, you know, like, in, like an independent leather bar and those kinds of places yeah. that are really the, the origins of kind of gay culture as I know it like and yeah I think that I mean even just yesterday I read about um you know one of Montreal's small independent venues that had to close um they just couldn't hold on anymore and I sadly anticipate that that's something that we're going to be seeing more and more of and it's really devastating you know like especially because independent performers and people who don't have like $300 to go see someone like Lady Gaga, like access to community through live performance and having that be affordable for the artist to like rent out venues. And that's so important. And it's really, yeah. really devastating to see some of these places starting to shutter up permanently. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really scary. The stud um, closed in San Francisco, which is really uh, a landmark. Yeah, I saw know? that online. They were having because yeah. it, it was it was closed because of the pandemic, but they had people come over for like to give away bottles or something. I saw online. <laughs> yeah, like that's really something like, like that. The stud was like survived AIDS. I mean, yeah. that's like surviving the ice age. Like yeah. that's like, like a, I mean, the dinosaur <laughs> that survives. Like it survived disco. It survived like <laughs> well the. Like, the- the other thing also, like before before the pandemic, like gentrification and like grinder were already killing these spaces. You know, it wasn't right, right. you know, there were other yeah. problems right before right before this. So But now it's just yeah, all I'm, amplified, you know. Mm-hmm. Um all the problems that you pointed out, Thomas, that existed before, like have just become so much more amplified. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me, I mean, I'm 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 too old, I'm not gonna do it, but there's a part of me that loves the underground nature of how people will get together when we can start to get together again. But the part of me that's like very paranoid and kind of scared is also conflicted. So I I, like in my fantasy, it's like super cool. We're all in a space. It's like, we're all wearing masks. It's like, it's like only like a few, a few people are allowed in, but then the reality of it is I'll be terrified to get COVID, you know? Yeah, I know it does. It does appeal to like, I do have like a secret, like tank girl side that loves like all of the mask. <laughs> like I do have a real gross, like burning man, like steampunk side where I definitely want to get all the gear and like live out like my chitty, chitty bang, bang, like lifestyle. Like I really do want to get like super Lori Petty tank girl and like go for it. Like that, like, it is Mad Max. Like, I am yeah. very much like Charlize Theron, like Mad Max Fury Road, like life, like that definitely going to be like living that like armor life. But the the lax kind of feeling of, and like kind of entitlement that people have and the political nature of mask wearing now, now it's kind of gotten so ugly with, you know, don't tell me to wear a mask. This is America yeah. kind of shit is really disgusting. And it's so yeah, it's disgusting mostly, here. Those videos are unreal to me. So crazy. Um, I've, I've, and I've worked, I worked like 10 years in customer service and I've never witnessed anything quite like that. To me, the stupidest part of all of it is like, okay, it's one thing if you don't give a shit about other people, which is already bad enough, but you don't even care about yourself. Like you don't even care about your own health and protecting yourself. That's what sort of baffles me. They think they're untouchable. That they don't even have a concern for their own health. But Margaret, as Canadians watching America right now, it's it's, I mean, it's really it's scary, but it's also like, um, like an episode of Veep, but also a yeah. dystopia. It's really, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's like this when you're when you're there. But being in Canada and things being kind of under control, and don't get me wrong, like Montreal was the epicenter of COVID in Canada. Um, but we acted more like Europe, you know, we closed down everything for weeks and now yeah. we're just like gradually starting or New York, you're gradually starting to come out of it. Um, but watching America right now, it's like, it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. It is. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I obviously see the humor in those videos of people in the stores, but it's fundamentally terrifying to me. Like it's mm-hmm. more yeah. terrifying than funny and Especially when you couple those videos with the fact that, like, you know, the U.S. is just hitting now, like, record new numbers of infection. When we're, like, you know, six months into this, like, it doesn't make sense, 
you know, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Like it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, if I got, if I go out, usually if I'm going out to a protest, I'll go out on, um, it's a, with a, with a mask and a motorcycle helmet. And then I have, uh, two sets of gloves. So I have like, two sets of, uh, you know, a mask and a helmet on top of it. So there's like a couple of air, like layers. Cause yeah. I know that you don't know what's going to happen out there. Is that what you see happening in the U.S.? I'm curious how you see like the next few months, like leading up to the election. I don't know. Well, I know that the protests, protests here have been pretty peaceful. Like every day they've been going, but they've been very much, um, they've been smaller. They've been peaceful. It's really just been very nice. Like people right. just walking with signs and they're like the like that couple in were they were they in like a Minneapolis? Saint, oh, no, I don't know. No, St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, the couple that came God. out of their mansion with the guns and they didn't have shoes on. They have like a bunch of Photoshop pictures of Divine. Yeah, coming I love, out with yeah. them. pictures. I just <laughs> like so I don't understand how these like stupid fucking assholes got so rich. I'm like, I know, oh, and it turns out I just was reading this morning they're lawyers. It's so idiotic. It's so idiotic. I mean, it's just like the dumbest, and they're not even coming to your house. No, they weren't even anywhere near. <laughs> they weren't anywhere near you. <laughs> I think that's the sad part in all of this is that like, you know, everywhere, even in Montreal, like all of the demonstrations, like they are peaceful. It's as soon as the police arrive, it's the police that incite these turning points in the protests that that turn them chaotic. But if, you know... It, it's on them. It's totally on them. But I, I, I love this spirit of, of protest. I love um, that people are protesting. And I love that uh, that whole thing of like young people getting involved in K-pop fans, um, <laughs> getting involved <laughs> in like K-pop, amazing. all that. All that is so amazing. K-pop fans like jamming up signals of like, you know, all of the racists and, you know. That was that was pretty great. Um, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to say that I'm really, really, really into astrology, like a lot, like trying to get a test. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and astrologers, astrologers have been calling 2020 like a revolutionary year for a while. And I've, I've been like rewatching videos from like on YouTube from like 2017 and 2018. And they were already saying that it was going to be a really intense year and that basically America would have to reconnect to the very reason why it exists and i think that's really what we're seeing right now is like why is america even a country yeah i think it's true i think that's true now this is right now we're in a we're in a mercury retrograde right now aren't we well not only not only that but you know what a saturn return is so when you're like 28, yeah. 29, and then it, it happens another time. So you could have returns of all sorts of planets, but the slowest moving planet is Pluto. Like it takes like 240 years to go around the sun. So a Saturn return is intense for a person, but a Pluto return um, is can be intense for a whole culture, a whole society. In America, according to astrologers, is experiencing its own Pluto return. This like really intense energy, and I know I sound kind of crazy, but uh, anyways, I love astrology. And, I do too. I mean, you can believe all these things without astrology. Right. It just make it, it just gives it such a strong, over the top, crazy, surnatural. Right. Um, tone, and I think like you know? astrology confirms like everything you're saying. It just confirms that this was unavoidable. You know, like we've hit a wall. Mm-hmm. We've hit a wall in so many ways. Like, even if you just look at 
the way that capitalism operates and wage theft from these giant corporations and people having to work two full-time jobs and can still barely afford just the basic essentials. Like, mm-hmm. but being, can, being Canadian also, like, it's, there, you know, like, there are basic things in Canada. Like, we don't love the federal government, but we have a general trust that, you know, if things happen and bad things happen, we'll be taken care of. Or, you know, we have socialized health care. So if I need to go to the hospital, I can go to the hospital. There's no problem. If I need to get a test for COVID, I can get a test for COVID. And then you add college and then you had like uh, um, early childhood education and all of these things that seem to be so out of reach for so many Americans. It's just like kind of the norm here. Yeah. Well, Canada's always been like in if you look at sort of the Americas as being siblings, Canada is kind of like the 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 good one. It's like the good child, the one, the well, progressive it's, child. It's a it's different, like it's one, a different, it's, it's the progressive. The one that drives and... an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he does well, is very, like, you know, very smart, has socialized medicine, really, like, good. A, bit, a, a little bit preachy and sometimes a hypocrite, but yeah. yeah sometimes like a hypocrite, for sure. <laughs> and I think even just if we look at, like, Canada's last election or just, like, the last 10 years, it's always, like, we... I think our general way of thinking is always it could be worse. And that sort of stops mm-hmm. us from just continuing to be better. Like mm-hmm. just because things could, are worse in the U S or worse in other places doesn't mean that we should get comfortable. doesn't mean that we should stop aiming and working towards more. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's, I think there's, there's, there's always problems. I think in every, in every country like that, you know, there's always issues, but you, I think, Canada overall, there you make fewer issues. You make fewer problems. I mean, overall, you guys have a a much better system, and you make you make fewer mistakes. You make fewer like Trump. You don't make <laughs> as many. You make more Neil okay. Youngs than you make Trumps. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I think at least like <laughs> I know that Trudeau is like so polarizing, and I'm definitely not saying that I'm like for him at all. But I sometimes I'm just grateful that I'm like at least he's even if he doesn't mean it, like at least he's pretending to apologize. Like at least he's pretending to care, you know, like I know that we shouldn't just settle for that, obviously. But I think that when you look at, like when you compare that to someone like Donald, who is just like, I mean, just beyond words. He's so much better. Like, Like he's so much better. Like you can't, it's, it's so embarrassing to have Donald Trump. I mean, it's, (laughs) but Margaret, sometimes do you, do you think of, 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 why he's so damaged like sometimes like of course like i don't i don't want the guy to be there i'm not you know like i I, you know but sometimes i'm like you know reading all these rumors about his dad being in the kkk and then the kind of childhood he had and reading about his relationship with his mom like i i don't want the guy to be there and he's creating so much harm but at the same time i can't help but wonder like why is he so damaged yeah, or why did he want to do this? Yeah, like, why did totally. he want to do this to himself? Either yeah. because it's like he doesn't seem like he's having. A good I mean, time. I think it's like at this point, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. Like, I don't read any of it, I don't watch any of it. But I think just from a strictly logical point of view, like taking in all this evidence, it's like clearly someone's got something on him. Like, clearly this yeah. is, you know, like <laughs> this is not like this is not of his. He doesn't know what's going on. He's uh, no. like completely like 
definitely suffering from some form of dementia. I'm not even saying that in an insulting way, just in a strictly no. matter of fact way, you know. Um, it, it's not that he's having a good time and enjoying any no, of it. And no, it's, it's just the it's worst. clearly <laughs> amplified his own trauma, his own wounds, and he's just it's taking it out on everyone else. It's awful for everyone. I know. I just, I don't know. It's too much. It's really like... It's, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. But are you hopeful about like him being voted out? Like, what are your feelings on that? I am hopeful. I feel like, but I think that you can't even be hopeful about it because you just don't know. There's, it's almost like we can reach new lows. Yeah. I didn't think it could get any worse. But it gets but worse it every week. it magically has. Yeah. You know, you never almost, you almost don't want to, to uh, risk it by even saying Yeah, that. no, exactly. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You just have to just watch and be prepared. Um, and I, I'm just trying to be optimistic. And what is good is that I'm really s- excited about um, the way that social media has presented itself as a real uh, catalyst for change, the way technology has presented itself as a real a witness Yeah. in a way that I didn't believe it could be. Absolutely. I mean, it's sad that it took like the filming of one of these murders for it for mm-hmm. us to finally get it, you know, but yeah, it is um, technology is definitely a form of protection and older people who aren't on social media who are still only getting their information from traditional news, who are really missing the full story. Yeah. What keeps me what, what keeps me hopeful, though, is to remember that what we're trying to achieve it has never been achieved, you know, like create like a democratic, multicultural, uh, you know, uh, like fair society is something that, you know, as progressives, that's what we want. It's never been achieved to this level. So I remembering that it's hard. And if it was easy, pe- other people would have done it before uh, mm-hmm. is something that keeps me hopeful. And I think we can succeed. I think we'll get there. I think uh, so, too. Yes. I really think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We are doing it. We will do it. Yeah. <laughs> we shall. We shall do it. Power to the people. Well, thank you so much for joining me. What and and, and you all you have a podcast which I've done and will you tell the people about your podcast? Yeah, it's called Chosen Family and it's a talk show that Thomas and I host and we speak to all kinds of incredible artists um like you and Tegan and Sarah and Xavier Dolan. And I think that like, as we've done, like, so we have 35 episodes now that are completed and available. And I think what's been really interesting is that like what's emerging in the show is just this idea of how the process of healing our trauma and our wounds is so connected to the creative process. Um, I think that's become like really illuminating. So I think if anyone is going to tune in, like, I think there's a lot of really great conversations about art and just the impulse to create and how it's also related to this, you know, collective moment of awakening. Yeah. And it's called Chosen Family. I don't know if I said that, but yeah. Yeah. And you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Wonderful. And um, where can they find you both on the social medias? So on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at uh, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, LeBlancs, L-E-B-L-A-N-X, I'm French Canadian. I never mentioned it, but I'm <laughs> I'm probably related to Celine Dion. <laughs> mm. 
And um, my social media is the same everywhere, um, Instagram and Twitter. It's at Trana, T-R-A-N-N-A, Winter, W-I-N-T-O-U-R. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Melissa Stetton and original score by Garrison Starr. Over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. Coming out of the dark, coming out of the dark, coming out of the dark. Yeah, I'm coming out of the dark. Original. Powered by ACAST. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.